0: As Ferris Bueller said, life moves pretty fast, but he never lived through quarantine. I started this podcast to learn how other people are managing their lives. I'm Emma Berger. Join me for some Words with Friends. All right. What's up, guys? It's been a minute. I am here with a very, very, very special guest. The specialist of guests to me. None other than, you guessed it, Producer Andy. Woo! Producer Andy's back, people. He's here with the Paris Review. So, funny thing about this is, we decided we were gonna do an episode, and there were two topics top of mind for, or I guess two themes, I guess, for the episode. One, reviewing Cuties, the Netflix documentary, and two, reviewing This is Paris, the YouTube documentary. So, I don't know if you guys have been on Netflix lately, but there's this new documentary called Cuties, which is all about, like, child girls. Anyway, so uh, we haven't actually watched that yet, but we watched This Is Paris last night. Awkward thing is, my two favorite podcasts, Red Scare, just did an episode reviewing Cuties, and True Non just did an episode reviewing This Is Paris. However, let it be known that we decided on doing this before we knew either of that, but today we're going to be reviewing This Is Paris, which is the Paris Hilton documentary on YouTube, and right off the bat, I just, um, yeah, I guess, Producer Andy, what did you... What was your overall take on the film as a whole?
1: Oh my God. <laughs> Can we back up a little bit? Back up a little For, okay. bit. Okay. First of all, I just want to say as a producer of this wonderful program, uh, you know, it's, been, it's good to finally be uh, brought into the spotlight. I've been kind of uh, weighing in the wings, so to speak, and I'm actually amazed that you even let me utter a word on this podcast. You
0: haven't been waiting in the wings. What are you talking about?
1: I guess I, I was waiting for my moment to, to shine in the spotlight.
0: You were waiting for a solo episode.
1: So, yeah. Okay. It's good to be here. Um, and I guess just to set the scene for people, we're broadcasting from beautiful Ann Arbor, Michigan. The uh, We're six months into a pandemic here. The hazy, uh, blotted out sun of a burning fire on the West Coast has just set. So... Uh, it If it feels like the end of the world, it probably is.
0: It probably is, yeah. Well, I think they know about the pandemic. It's not, like, special to us, you know.
1: It It's very special.
0: It's very special to us, yes. It's
1: very special. It's everything now. It's our home. Um, can I ask you a question first? Ask
0: me a question. What do
1: you know about Paris Hilton?
0: I know that's hot. I know... I'm picturing... I I, Okay, well, now I know a lot. Now I feel like I have the full rundown. Obviously, I know The Simple Life. I know she's, like, a proto-Kardashian. Like, I know she was a socialite before... Or, like, a modern socialite before we had defined the modern socialite, i.e. the Kardashians. And I guess growing up, I knew... I feel like she was, like, the celebrity, like, an easy celebrity target for, like, middle school kids to meet. I think I was, mm-hmm. I would say it was in middle school when she was really popular. So she was kind of, like, a party girl. Uh, well, not kind of. She was a major party girl. And at that point, she was kind of a punchline, if yeah. you know what I mean. like Same. what? Yeah, what's your background with Paris Hilton?
1: Um, well, almost everything that I know of, of substance came from this film. Prior to that, I mean, she's... Thirty-nine years old now. Uh, back apparently, this was back in two thousand, the early two thousands. Two thousand three, she had a sex tape come out. She had she started the Simple Life, which ran for four years, and that was kind of I just I wasn't really like I didn't watch the Simple Life, but um, she that was kind of I think her peak celebrity. Yeah. And it kind of you you were kind of aware of some things that she did after that. Her singing career, her DJing career, but basically, as far as I'm concerned, she essentially has disappeared for the last uh, 13 years and has just recently kind of come back with this documentary.
0: Yeah, kind of same. Well, I kind of thought maybe, like, she would almost be more relatable or known to your generation. Like, I, I do think she was relevant when I was growing up, but... I think she's probably more of your generation.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah, like when I was reading the Jessica Simpson memoir, I always got the sense that that was more like your um like cultural touchstone than mine, if you know what I mean. She
1: was she was like Jessica Simpson in that um, I recall she was essentially or like Kim Kardashian. She was famous for not being famous, um, or else she kind of played into this like stereotypical like bimbo personality yeah. which i I don't know is that's a sexist thing to say or something but she was essentially she basically played dumb for america and she was like this kind of hot blonde
0: yeah that was her persona anyway exactly yeah.
1: which we kind of have learned that maybe it's more complicated than that um i don't know i felt like this the documentary was somewhat shallow it's it did it it didn't feel to it didn't feel that it revealed like there are certainly a few topics that were definitely kind of um exposed but i feel like it only briefly touched on them
0: all right yeah i mean i guess i see what you're saying like i do feel like there were times where we were almost on the brink of like really finding out what was happening and we all she almost pulled back but let me let me just back up for a yeah. second so um this is paris for any of you who haven't seen it is a documentary that um is about paris hilton and specifically about her like traumatic experiences with um troubled teens in air quotes like troubled teen sc- schools in extra air quotes basically like um I guess we'll go into more detail, but traumatic events that she went through in childhood that shaped a lot of what we know to be modern-day Paris Hilton. So the way I even found out that this was a doc... Apparently this premiered at, like, Tribeca Film Festival 2020, which I guess was, like, a virtual Mm -hmm. event. But um, two days ago, Melissa Wood, Tepperberg, Melissa Wood Health, who I've spoken about on this podcast, she posted about the documentary and saying, like, how amazing it was that Paris opened up for this and blah 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 and she said that well the way she met Noah who's her husband was she was a cocktail waitress at Marquis and he like owned or he started Tau Group so that was his club and Paris would always go out and go to Marquis and she, she was a waitress at the, or she was a cocktail server at the time and she said like Paris was, was always so like over the top nice to her and sweet and like apparently she's good friends with Noah but initially like that's what piqued my interest and then like through multiple interactions that we saw throughout the film I just got the sense that Paris is so like overwhelmingly like sweet and familial and like um intimate almost with her fans and even the like people who work near her like her handlers and Mm -hmm. I guess waitresses at marquee or whatever so i
1: feel like that's the i feel like the public perception previously was that she was not necessarily a good person just overall kind of shallow obsessed with fame obsessed with money um and then thankfully this film kind of revealed the whole other side of it and to me i mean you asked me my opinion on the documentary it's it was only tragic
0: it was really, it was
1: it was actually sad from beginning to end
0: it was it was re- there's
1: nothing that there is not i don't get the sense that anyone would really want to have her life whereas pr- probably previously probably a lot of people kind of idolized her
0: totally no completely agree so, when we were watching, I took some notes on the film, and I kind of want to go through those and get your reactions and see if you were thinking, like, mm-hmm. kind of the same thing I was thinking, but um, let's just start at the beginning. So, she starts with this shot of her, like, in the studio, almost doing, like, an ASMR thing where she's whispering, this is Paris Hilton, and, like, going through that <laughs> whole thing, and then she she's kind of, like, winking at the audience that mm-hmm. she's, well, she is being funny, and she's, like, aware of... I guess she's acknowledging the fact that she's, like, performing as herself. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember that scene? Yes. Um, What did you think about that as an opening?
1: I think between that and then everything that follows, you really get the sense there is Paris Hilton, the person, and Paris Hilton, the character. And there is an extreme tension between the two. Uh, almost as if the charade is almost up. Almost as though she doesn't have the endurance to keep up Paris Hilton, the character.
0: Totally. Mm-hmm. Endurance or even will, like, at a certain point. Um, so the next thing I know er, pretty early on in the documentary, someone... I don't even remember who this girl is, but she goes, like, Paris gets paid $1 million per DJ gig. So... I think I obviously knew Paris Hilton was a DJ. Like, I'd mm-hmm. seen her stuff before. And I also had heard the rumors and, like, had it in my head that she wasn't a real DJ. Like, she wasn't actually doing it. And she actually kind of addressed that accusation in the movie. But, like, that's crazy. A million dollars.
1: Yeah. No, she's like, she's kind of, I hate to say it, she's kind of like a female Donald Trump where yeah. her name, good or bad sells tickets, sells perfume, sells... It doesn't matter. You put it on a bottle of whatever, people are going to buy it.
0: That's so true. It is like licensing your brand. I mean, I guess that's the whole thing. Like her entire career and personal focus is her brand because it's the intellectual property that's worth so much money. And like just by her being there, by her attaching her image to something, it... Infuses it with value I don't know if that's the case for Trump anymore But it almost feels like that same concept
1: Yeah But, it, but at the same time It all feels fake I, I think one, one of the I, There's really two tragedies Of her life and, the, and one of them is This like false Fantasy Or this false fairy tale which is essentially the perception, and she, she acknowledges it several times, the perception that she's so wealthy, she's so beautiful, she's so successful, um, versus the reality that she is miserable, mm-hmm. uh, she's maybe not healthy, at least not mentally healthy, um, and that her life is not enviable in any way
0: no her life looked pretty actively miserable like for all her wealth and success it looked miserable
1: as i was watching it i was i was i actually felt anxious imagining if i had that life totally and it's like and we just watched um you know the night before we watched same thing the yeah. princess diana documentary same thing it's like a marilyn monroe thing where like there is this character who is like a beautiful young woman seemingly has it all and on the inside feels trapped and miserable.
0: Yeah. And I'm, that
1: was that was heartbreaking to see.
0: I know Princess Die, like that documentary also was really hard to watch, and I think you had an especially hard time watching both of them. And I um but yeah, the no, the resemblance between those two documentaries was quite striking, in which you like see the image of this media darling like that's constantly swamped by paparazzi whose life seems objectively terrible and then you see the person herself like mask off and both of them seemed like emotionally unadjusted and honestly miserable like neither of them seemed to be even like minimally okay with the situation
1: and the great dilemma of it is to at one time be dependent on it to fa- to be um, to be, I guess, mo- temporarily um, satisfied by it, and then to also have it slowly destroy you. I, I've never had that personal dilemma, but I can't imagine to have, to, to have the rewards yeah. and the con- and the negative consequence, of the punishment of it be at the, in the same place must be absolutely just, I don't know, depressing. Which it appears it is.
0: Yeah. But how do you reconcile, like, Princess Di was, like, she was the princess. And, like, Paris Hilton was fucking Paris Hilton. Like, I feel like those are the two, like, emblematic, I don't know, just Western cultural, like, peaks of femininity. Like, you would think those would be the most... Desirable people you could possibly be, and then you watch these things, and you realize how profoundly unhappy and unnatural it was for them to be those people. And
1: I think that that is for any viewer. That is the only takeaway: is to think about what really causes happiness, and what you think causes happiness, but actually doesn't.
0: It. but well both of them but especially watching Paris Hilton completely made me appreciate like having a normal life. Like I just felt really grateful to be a normal person who could mm. walk down the street and not get interrogated and not get chased and followed and not have people know where I live or like looking into my apartment or taking pictures of me at all times. Like it just gave me a gratitude for that. Exactly. So pretty early on in the documentary, she reveals, Paris reveals that she has PTSD flashbacks every single night, has terrible haunting nightmares. Specifically, she has this nightmare of she's lying in bed and these two men come in and grab her and kidnap her and say, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And then...
1: Which turns out was an actual event. Well,
0: yeah. So then she describes like she's... Trying to run away and in my head. I'm imagining I don't know if you've ever had this nightmare, but where you're like Trying and trying to run but you feel so stuck. It feels like quicksand or something. You can't move your body Mm. It's a common anxiety dream.
1: Yeah, and this was the big revelation the the other tragedy where uh, You know, she's rich but unhappy or seemingly successful but unhappy not that surprising this was actually I think the most important part of it that actually taught us something new about her where she went off to this school and this is this is like this is to me this is the second tragedy of her life this this classic story of like the evil guardian where she was snatched from her bed in the middle of the night her parents were there witnessing it and cried and did nothing which I I can only imagine is just about the most traumatic thing that could happen to a kid. And she was sent off to this school for, I don't know if it was like, I don't understand it exactly, troubled teens. Well, yeah. Or, so, yeah.
0: No, I was just going to say, I was like very surprised when you said you didn't know anybody who did this or had this happen to because, like... I
1: thought that was, like, an old-fashioned thing. I didn't know people got... I didn't know, like, still kids get snatched from their bed and sent to the bad kids' land.
0: No, totally. Like, maybe this is because you grew up in Michigan and I grew up in New York, but I know several people who, like, got into one thing or another. Usually it was weed or nothing bad. Like, they just weren't doing good in school and, like, were, I guess, doing things their parents didn't like. Just make it, like... Getting into trouble, but in a teen way of getting into trouble. Like, honestly, usually weed and stuff. And their parents would send them away to these, like, quote-unquote rehabilitation-type boarding schools. But basically, first you'd go to the wilderness. So, like, there'd be a portion where these people would take you away to the wilderness. And you'd be there for a couple months. And then you'd have to go to these rehab boarding schools, which were essentially, like, private prisons.
1: Is it... Is it fair to say when this happens? Because I have no idea. When this happens, is is it the parents who are saying, "Hey, we haven't been very good parents. Uh, you guys do it." And do 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 we blame them in this case, and or, or in every case? Like, is is this the fault of the parents? Were they negligent?
0: It's not them saying we weren't good parents. It's saying like my kid is unreachable. My kid is untreatable, and like. It's super complicated, but when when your child is under 18, you can, like, impose these things on them. And so, this is, like, this element of it I kind of learned on True and On today. But basically, there's a whole industry, like, billion-dollar industry around the troubled teens market. And um, they'll have, like, loan sharks and recruiters and stuff reach out to school counselors and, like, market these, like, private, um, quote-unquote... Trouble teens type boarding schools and recruit the kids to like recruit the parents to send their kids to them.
1: Compassionate Behavioral Health Center is what they was what they call it.
0: Is that Provo Canyon? Yeah. Are you looking yeah. At, yeah. Yeah. So the
1: school is Provo Canyon, and I'm looking at their website right now. It's funny because they have this like disclaimer: "We are aware of a new documentary referencing Provo Canyon School." Um, it says there the PCS was sold. By its previous ownership in August two thousand. When was she there?
0: I think two thousand three. Like I honestly think it was post two thousand. Really. She, so she's thirty nine. So she would have been
1: wait. Wait, she was sent there when she was like seventeen, right?
0: She was probably like fifteen.
1: So, so no, I think I think it was still nineteen. Okay. Yeah, she went. She turned eighteen in ninety nine. Right, right. So she was there before. So they sold it after she was there. So essentially, what's happening is the new ownership is like, hey, we know this happened. Though, we bought this from people. Those are the old guys. We have no idea, which is kind of which is incredibly unfortunate because you cut in a situation like this, you hope for some level of accountability, and it doesn't really look like anyone's gonna get it
0: yeah but you know that's bullshit because so there's this whole like this element of it isn't necessarily detailed in the documentary itself but um i guess i i, I learned more again from true and on but basically there's this whole network of schools and it all stems from like this one founding school of thought Sidhu, which was like the original one of these schools and i think they did reference this in the doc too but like Often employees from the original schools will spin off and do their own, which are exact replicas. And then, like, the government will come and, like, shut down these schools for child abuse and stuff like that. For example, like, maybe that's what happened with Provo Canyon School. And then they'll just reopen, like, sometimes with a different name, Mm -hmm. usually with the same ownership, sometimes with the same students, etc. So, like, I am sure their site is getting so much traffic with this Paris Hilton documentary, but... um,
1: do you, do you get the feeling that there's, I mean, what do you think are the prospects of any kind of, like, criminal charges?
0: Um, I think the prospects are probably a little bit better now that it's Paris Hilton, but I, I know, like, charges have been leveled against all these schools mm-hmm. on accounts of, like, physical, mental, sexual abuse, like... Apparently, the case numbers are, like, ridiculously high for how many kids have been, obviously, abused in all of those ways and even killed in these schools. So, I think there have probably been charges leveled against them, like, since they've existed. But I do feel like having Paris Hilton be an active advocate against them is probably super helpful. I kind
1: of, I'm fearful that it seems like it... It was so long ago, and, um, you know, maybe the people who were involved have since, you know, gone to different places. It it seems like maybe there won't be enough evidence for criminal charges. And I, I think that maybe my fear is, because it does seem like it was a crime, my fear is that there's not going to be enough, you know, if you tackle someone and you know push them up against the wall or whatever it's bad especially if it's repeatedly repeatedly done but i don't know if, the, if that's a crime in the eyes of you know u.s justice system
0: um maybe not but that was like not even the tip of the iceberg like they put paris yeah. in solitary confinement they left her but like, is that a crime they left her naked in sol- solitary confinement and starved her, and they force fed her roommate and sexually assaulted, at le- like sexually assaulted her other friend, but like definitely more than that, and physically assaulted probably all of them, emotionally, mentally, like I, you could tell like from yeah. there. So basically, toward the end of the documentary, there's this whole scene where Paris meets up with a whole group of girls that she was in Provo Canyon school with and it's kind of like a, a therapy group and they don't actually show a lot of it which I really appreciated like I definitely got the sense that they were together for an extended period and they were like we'll just show that this is happening and obviously like not go into too much detail because it's so personal for them but nothing about it seems like a put on like everything about her emotional reaction seemed completely authentic to me oh there's like, no doubt Exactly.
1: I don't think anyone could watch this and, and have a doubt.
0: Exactly.
1: So, okay, let me go back to the point you just made. And keep in mind, I'm completely ignorant on this. Mm-hmm. If your parents, I guess whatever documentation they sign where they're handing over, over the legal guardianship of the minor, if those people put Paris Hilton in solitary confinement, is that a crime?
0: Well, so apparently that's the thing. Like, I I don't want to just borrow everything from True Non, but honestly, I listened to it this morning after watching the documentary, and I did find out more about it. And apparently, a bunch of a bunch of the practices that they use to like break these kids are actually legal right now. And they were saying, like, Provo Canyon, for instance, is in Utah because. Laws there are so lax, and like mm. the legislators in Utah allow this to go down because they'll go to like economically disadvantaged areas and put in schools like this Mormon, and then more yeah, no actually, so do you have any
1: Mormon listeners because you might have just lost them <laughs>
0: not, not that I know of, but apparently the Romney family is like um obviously quite influential in Utah and um I don't know, I guess they've been lobbied to, like, take action on these things. But then there's a Bain Capital connection, and Bain has a bunch of money in this industry. And, I, like I said, I do not want to rip off another podcast. I'm just, like, I now... So
1: there are all sorts of incentives for this to just stay as it is.
0: Exactly. Now, okay. So I just want to go back, I guess, in the documentary, in Paris's life, because it wasn't all about the schools. That was just kind of, like, a... A central aspect but um so we saw a bunch of footage from her childhood and got an impression from Nikki Hilton too on what she was like as a kid was that of that surprising to you or what did what did you make of that
1: for me I was trying to understand at what point and of course you only get a couple glimpses at what point did she go from being a quote-unquote normal kid to being Paris Hilton, who at basically from our understanding, Paris Hilton has a very extreme personality or the, extreme personality traits.
0: The point was Provo Canyon School. That was what broke her and like forced her, caused her to like create the character of Paris Hilton, which isn't her clearly.
1: But was it was it perhaps even before that? Because uh, why did her parents? send her why yeah. was she acting out that caused her parents to send her away that that c- you see these family videos and she appears to be a well adjusted person and now she seems very much not to be well adjusted
0: so that here's my take i think her family moved to New York when she was 15 and she went to school in New York and that's when she started going to clubs and partying and at that point from my perception anyway like it obviously she was a party girl she was in like page six every day and she she was yeah she was in the tabloids and Nikki Hilton was also in the tabloids and she was partying and clubbing and she was a socialite she was like an it girl like people knew who she was and were watching her and reporting on her and everything. But she said something, I don't remember the exact quote, but she said something like when I was there, like mm-hmm. I felt like the real Paris. I like discovered who the real Paris was. Do you remember that at all?
1: Yeah, when she was at the school.
0: No, no. And no, no, when no. she was in New York. Yeah, like at the club. She discovered she felt free. She felt like who she really was and they showed all her outfits and like the costumes she was wearing and she was like, I felt like I could be me. So I thought that was, like, a positive, overall positive. Like, they talked about her parents, like, calling every club in New York and trying to track her down. And Mm -hmm. obviously, like, any parent, I guess, would be worried if their, like, 15-year-old kid is out of the clubs every night and, like, in the tabloids. But I didn't get the sense from her that she was regretful of that period or even felt like she had done something wrong or was a bad kid at all. Did you?
1: It it just struck me that maybe she was acting out as a response to a lifetime of her parents they don't seem obviously they are conventionally successful and have the you know they're attractive and they're rich they have the this appearance of a normalcy but they don't strike me as very good people um it if we can like you know talk about the end of the film where she actually reveals this to her mom I mean I don't know what you thought about it her her mom her mom's reaction was like oh 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 I'm sorry and it just didn't seem very genuine
0: yeah so for context like She, toward the end of the film, she comes out and for the first time ever is explicit with her mom in what happened at Provo Canyon School and, like, basically reveals some of the traumatic... Well, she reveals, like, that she was in solitary confinement. I think that was, like, seemed to... Between the kidnapping and solitary, those seemed to be, like, the most impactful moments of her experiences at a number of schools. It wasn't just Provo Canyon. She was sent to a bunch of different of these... Yeah,
1: like, she and she tried to escape from several yeah several camps it yeah. sounds terrible
0: oh they're like labor they're literally labor camps yeah they are treated like
1: and her mom her mom's response did not seem that remorseful to me okay and and by the way you know they she she was clueless all this time she I mean, Paris spent 11 months at Provo Canyon anyway. Yeah. So, my question is what, I mean, were you personally angry at the parents for whatever level of negligence or anything else? I, how much blame do you put on them?
0: Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Also, I guess, question related. Mm-hmm. Related question. That's what I meant. Um, did you buy that that was her mother's like first time finding out that this happened, or did you get the sense that she knew this had happened and was kind of like either in denial or kind of lying to Paris about yes. it? Yes.
1: Yes. I think she was somewhat aware. Yeah. And mostly in denial, and probably never asked and never cared to ask, and even when it she. Even when it was explicit to her, she still didn't seem to grasp the gravity of it.
0: Totally. Like, I definitely got the sense, like, when she kind of put her head in her hands and she was, like, shielding her shielding her from even, for, obviously from the camera, but also from Paris, like... I got the sense that she was embarrassed, and she kn- she knew that she wronged her. I think if you thought you were doing the best thing for your kid, and it ended up like going awry, that's one thing. But it seems like she knew she hadn't done the right thing by her daughter. Do you know what I that mean?
1: That scene specifically felt very weird to me. Yeah. And I I have I am almost illiterate when it comes to body language, <laughs> but when that happened. Some people put their face in their hands to cry or to show sorrow. It struck me that she put her face in her hands to cover her face because of the embarrassment that she felt because there was a camera on her and she had just been revealed as a terrible parent.
0: Totally. It's so weird because there's something specific and yet I can't even put my finger on it, but I completely got the same thing. Like... It looks as if she's crying and she actually might be crying because it kind of does look like she is in the next shot. It's like, no
1: doubt traumatic to her, but I don't yeah. know if it's because of what happened to Paris or what's happening to her.
0: It's shame. It seems to me like shame because she knew she didn't do the right thing.
1: Yeah, I, I get a lot of weird vibes from Kathy. They didn't really focus on, on the dad, Rick, but...
0: Apparently he's an extremely private person and doesn't like... For as much as Paris shares everything with the world, he is quite private about it all, which is interesting. And they specifically said, like, how conservative they'd been their whole lives. And, like, both Paris and Nikki, I think, highlighted, like, how many rules they had as kids. Like, no going out, no talking to whoever, no having people over, no going to school dances. And then, like, because of that, she kind of rebelled when they moved to New York and started going to all the clubs. And that's what kind of started her off as, like...
1: And it girl or like party right. girl or whatever right. right well i honestly bravo to her for coming out and and doing any of this because uh, she is in a position of power at this point and you have to respect her finding the courage to tell a story where she has more credibility than and more uh notoriety than anyone else that went through there and for her to have that strength and lend a lot of strength to these other women was i mean that's a huge to me a huge redemption of her character of this you know formerly you know this person who was this simple life like totally like caricature
0: Yeah, and it's worth noting that the, like, I guess, movement that she's promoting against these, quote, schools already existed. And a lot of people were already doing it, which is when she, like, reached out to her classmates. But I think just by nature of her being Paris Hilton and her creating this, or, like, her even being in this documentary amplifies that movement a lot, which Mm -hmm. hopefully will will help them in the long run. Mm -hmm. But what did you think of her like relationship to her little hiltons or her fans
1: oh god there's just there's so much there are so many layers of her celebrity which is a function of her ambition which is a function of her insecurity you get the sense that she's everything that she is fabricating this image that she's fabricating all comes from this insecurity that probably came from her early childhood and and her time at these schools and camps um this her is the, fa- the her relentless like her relentless goals to make more money and more money and more money at first she says she wants to make this much money and then she'll be happy. Then she says, I want to make a billion dollars and be happy. You you get the sense? She's never... She'll never be happy. She claims she, she she's sometimes happy, but you don't really believe it and you don't really yeah. believe that it's ever going to happen. And that, is, that, to me, is the most terrifying thing about this entire film because you just... Her insecurity Is Kind of Um It renders her Unable to stop Totally She she is She will not stop Until there's nothing left She will not stop Until she is completely depleted And It's not hard to imagine What happens When a person like that Who's been through A traumatic experience Is Emotionally Physically Spiritually drained Like it's going to be an overdose of sleeping pills or wh- or whatever else.
0: She can't get to sleep any night. She has exactly. terrible insomnia. She doesn't ever, ever sleep.
1: That's the scary thing is that you, you get a feeling what the end of the story is. And if she doesn't get help immediately, I mean, how's it going to play out?
0: So that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about because obviously... One of my big celebrity interests, Anthony Bourdain, like, were you thinking about him at all when she was describing her, like, travel and work schedule and, like,
1: yeah. her
0: resulting exhaustion and, like, emotional depletion? Did exactly. you think about him? Yeah, no,
1: she, what, she she said she traveled 250 days a year, and Bourdain was up there.
0: That sounded, when she said that, I immediately thought about Anthony Bourdain. Yep.
1: She's sleeping in hotels. Yep. Doesn't know where she's at. She is... <laughs> the scene where she was... They were tricking her that she was running late to the to her flight. Honestly, I have dreams about... Anxious dreams about missing flights. Like, I can't imagine what that's like every day. Like, as fun as it is to, uh, you know, be on a flight every other day.
0: It's not. You think, you think it you is, get, but it's not.
1: You get exhausted.
0: I very much thought about, like... I think she said something. I've traveled the entire world and all I've seen is the inside of a hotel room and a mall and a club and exactly. I don't know who I am anymore. That was... I don't remember the exact quote, but I know she ended with, I don't know who I am anymore. And that almost... That that was like so tragic to me because that really reminded me of Bourdain, even though he obviously saw a lot more than the inside of his hotel room and his...
1: Exact And a
0: club and whatever, like...
1: And you, the, the situation she's in, I mean there's tons of alcohol there's probably tons of drugs who knows how much she has you know yeah done of either of those but that doesn't help your happiness overall when you don't yeah. know what day it is or where you are you know what it there's also kind of it's like echoes of like amy whitehouse too
0: totally you know what's really weird and this is something i've actually weirdly been thinking of a lot about lately is like all of my celebrity heroes have been drug addicts, like literally all of them. And I know I don't want that for myself, but like all the people who I most idolize have been like tragic heroes, I guess, in that way. I don't right. know if you feel that at all, but like almost everybody I look up to in that way has been like severely addicted to drugs at one point.
1: I I yeah, no, it's terrifying because you see one side of it. You see the seductive side where... This is Paris Hilton, and she makes a million dollars for a DJ set. Yeah. And she has her own perfume. And she steps out of the front door, and people are screaming uh, for her and chanting for her, or whatever. And it's, only, it's usually after the fact when we see all the pain and suffering that went on. Thankfully, in this case, we've seen, we're seeing it yeah. going on now. I don't know if she's going to have the, the strength and and the understanding to f- figure out how to kind of make it better for her, but you like I said, you kind of get the sense where her story ends.
0: I I hope not. Like, I really, really hope not. But also, like, for all the pressure she clearly puts on herself and is explicit on, like, that she puts on herself to make more money and everything... She mostly... Okay, so she mostly is portrayed as the hero, and I think... Okay, wait, two different things, two different thoughts. So one is she puts so much pressure on herself and her brand in cultivating this image. It kind of goes against the entire image to even, like, allow this documentary to be created and allow this side yeah. of herself to show. it's like and, a
1: show-no-weakness like, brand. And she, even, she said as much in, yeah. the, in the movie.
0: But doesn't it make you admire her? Like, I don't, I don't want to put her on a pedestal because it's still Paris Hilton. Like, she certainly has her faults and certainly has done, like, societal damage. And we can get into that in a little bit, too. But, like, I do feel like it was genuinely brave and might have, like, dented her brand in a way to put this all out there. Yeah,
1: it was genuinely brave. Probably did not help her brand, although maybe she comes across as more authentic or more real. Uh, since then, but um, overall, I I think I think she is. It seems like she's seeking some form of relief. Totally. And this is the first step of it, and hopefully, it's a step that will make things better versus seeking the, the ultimate form of relief.
0: Oh my God! Don't even say that.
1: <laughs> we can edit that out.
0: I mean, I think, yeah, she says explicitly, like, I she that she's scared to do this, but she'll never feel okay unless she actually does something about it. Unless yeah. she actually speaks out about it. And, like, knowing you're Paris Hilton and you have the platform you do, you know you can actually influence the conversation in a way that, like, her classmates from Provo Canyon or whatever right. probably couldn't. Right. So Kim Kardashian is kind of shown... I I like the way the documentary introduces Kim Kardashian. So basically there's this shot of her going into a club and obviously there's paparazzi everywhere and it's her kind of linking arms with Kim Kardashian. And this fan comes in and is like, oh my God, Paris, can I take a picture with you? And she kind of shoulders Kim Kardashian out of the way, which I I think I commented on when we were watching because I found that funny. I'm like, wow, that girl just shouldered Kim Kardashian like she was irrelevant. And Kim, right after that, says to the camera, um, I wouldn't be here today if she hadn't introduced me to the world. Right. So Paris could, in a way, take credit for like introducing the world to Kim Kardashian, which is mind-blowing, right?
1: She was the, uh, apparently the original influencer, which yeah. I don't know how that's different than any other famous, attractive woman, but...
0: But it is, because this is what they said, and this is how I think of it, too. Paris was famous for being Paris. Kim Kardashian is famous for being Kim. Right. What do they do? Like, nothing. Nothing. But Everything
1: that they have done is subso- is subsequent to them becoming famous.
0: Exactly. Got it. Like, pe- you and I think Cam and other people have asked me, like, well, what is Caroline Calloway famous for? Like, what does she do? I'm mm-hmm. like, she she makes money by being Caroline Calloway. That's it. And she's just, like, one weird example. Like, there's a billion girls out there like that. There's guys like that there, you know, like she kind of, she was the prototype for this whole industry that popped up. And you could tell she, as much as she relished that, like from a business perspective, she clearly has like social qualms about the like culture. She's spawned. Don't you think?
1: I, I think she recognizes it. I don't know how much she cares she, I don't I don't get the sense that she is apologizing for any of it.
0: She I just have this down that I wrote like right after that Kim thing yesterday when we were watching apparently she said everyone says I'm the original influencer but sometimes I feel like I helped create a monster.
1: I I don't when I watch this I don't get I don't feel any emotion about any of the cultural implications of her existence i think it would have happened anyway i don't blame her i don't think that she went into it with some sort of master plan what you know i don't think it was her intention or or not her intention it just happened and so i'm not i'm not i'm not that aggravated by it
0: that's the thing none of these individuals paris hilton kim kardashian caroline Calloway, They didn't create the tools. They may or may not have had the foresight. Maybe they were just lucky. But they figured out the formula before anybody else and managed to, like, manipulate it. But I don't blame the individual, you know?
1: I would dispute that she ever figured out the formula. Do you know what I mean? I don't give her that much credit. I think things happen to her. Some, you know, a sex tape. Unfortunate as it may be, gave her a lot of notoriety. I don't think that she. I mean, she obviously was felt horrible that that ever got out into the public. I don't think that she likes. You know, she said that maybe some other people accidentally leaked sex tapes to get famous, but I don't. I don't get. The, I think she is more just a product of. Circumstance. I don't yeah. give her the credit that she had... That this was a master plan.
0: Actually, something... Did, do you think that Kim leaked her sex... Like, do you think Kim had any hand in leaking her sex tape? And do you think that was in any way influenced by, like, Paris's rise to fame as a result of hers? Oh,
1: I have no idea. I really don't.
0: In, maybe... It's hard for me to tell whether I'm connecting these two events because I know they're friends mm-hmm. and they they do have similar trajectories. It's definitely plausible. Or is it that Kim modeled her trajectory after Paris's because she did kind of go for the same overall image? Yeah, right. But definitely
1: plausible. I don't know enough about the details of other friendship, but
0: also I think if you're at that level of celebrity, you kind of have a target on your back. Like people know that it's worth some money. Like. It's all not to make this an Epstein thing, but like think about the way Epstein recorded all these celebrities and these major figures. He knew the implications of like having evidence and having footage of these intimate en- encounters with important people. Mm-hmm. so I think if you're of a certain level and or a certain like notoriety almost, you might go about your life either being more cautious because you know that evidence of these like intimate interactions are valuable or you just live with the risk that they could be released at a right. time right
1: or how about her filming her boyfriend it's kind of like flip yeah. the script because so much distrust has been you know cultivated throughout her life that she's now i mean she finds herself in i don't really know her romantic past apparently yeah. she's had a series of boyfriends and some false starts in terms of engagements or whatever i think she said in the movie she's at least five straight up abusive relationships the one that they showcase in the movie is not that much better it seems pretty terrible he
0: seems like awful miserable but, um, yeah, so there's this whole scene where she's setting up webcams in her room because she has this new German boyfriend. And eventually we see, like, a scene with them when she's about to go out for her DJ set at Tomorrowland and he's just being awful. But
1: yeah, By the she- way, if it's unclear to anyone, huge red flag. Like, I would say this is a deal breaker. If you are at, uh, you know, minutes away from the pinnacle of your career or you know her DJing like this biggest festival that she's ever done and your boyfriend is um you know making m- making it about him and can't put that aside for at least 5 minutes to support her she you know she's almost breaking down in tears as she's going out onto the stage um just just, a red just flag. A, I'm not really one to hand out romantic advice but uh no, in this case I would not. say run away as fast as you can
0: yeah that was really hard to watch like he was being insufferable he was really fucked up she was probably like she she was snapping like she was definitely not sober of course but like he was being insufferable but you
1: gotta have the awareness that like for one person in this situation they have to go out and like and you know this is it for them
0: that was literally the biggest crowd I've seen in my life. I've never seen a bigger crowd on camera or anything. So, okay, one thing, to just to go back to the Bourdain point. So when they were interviewing Nikki, she was kind of... Or not interviewing, but they were taping Paris at Nikki's apartment in New York. And Nikki was saying, you need to go on a vacation. Basically, she hadn't Paris hadn't gone on a vacation since she was 15. And Nikki was saying, you're being greedy, like... And Paris was basically saying, I can't take a break. The brand needs me. The company needs me. Like, I need to make more and more and more money. Mm-hmm. Um, we Something we've talked about is, like, almost if Bourdain had taken a break, if he had felt like he could take a break and wouldn't lose everything, that, like, that could have changed kind of his trajectory. Did you notice... Like, did you make that comparison at all?
1: I think the difference between Paris and Anthony Bourdain is... Paris has kind of what I mentioned this um insecurity so this insecure ambition that drives her mm-hmm. that drives her to to do everything until she literally cannot do anything else. I don't think Bourdain had that, however, I do think that that it is the case in both situations if either of them felt that they could have taken a break they definitely should have like if i were to write a prescription for you know how to be how to become miserable i would say you know focus every day on making every dollar and never ever ever take a break and it seems so obvious but obviously for for her I mean, she has that dilemma where the motivation for the dollar is worth more than taking a break. And you just... I don't I don't know. It's like you see it so frequently where people just burn out and crash.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess the major difference to me is that Anthony Bourdain was like a hardcore heroin addict and a fry cook for most of his adult life. And like got this lucky break. Whereas Paris Hilton... In a sense, she was born She was born being Paris Hilton 1.0. Eventually, she created this other brand, other company, other Paris Hilton. But, like, you wouldn't necessarily think she would have the same chip on her shoulder where she couldn't stop. Like, couldn't take a vacation for 15, 19, 20 years, however long it was. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like- exactly. So, Bourdain strikes me. He was... Remarkably Unambitious For most of his life It seems like He stumbled upon The best job in the world Mm -hmm. And Did it until He couldn't do it any longer And he never asked for a break He never felt that he could take a break I think Paris' story Is Fundamentally different than that I feel like between her childhood and, again, all this, the, whatever the abuse that happened at these schools and camps, and maybe just her intrinsic personality, she has that, that ambition, or that the type A personality where she, she won't stop until there's nothing left.
0: Does that in any way, I guess, contradict the narrative of her being this, like, spoiled brat socialite who was just born into the Hilton... Like, the Hilton Hotel's yeah. legacy? Yeah. I was, I was like, surprised, I guess, by her work ethic because she went above and beyond anybody I know to make every. Not saying this is a good thing. I think she could have... Aff- well, obviously she could afford, but mentally, emotionally, psychologically, she could afford to... Not worry about making every single last dollar that was out there, but by virtue of her insecurity, by virtue of this persona she's created, and of course by like the wealth goals that she set for herself, she felt she couldn't take a break at all.
1: And that, that is a tragedy. Yeah. The simplistic observation would be someone who was born into the type of privilege that she was could coast through life you never had to achieve anything you hardly even had to have a full-time job and you would have been okay in almost yeah. every respect that actually matters but and i'm not a doctor but it's her her brain all the all the inputs just produced someone who is obsessive who is extreme to you know in the top five percent two percent one percent of extreme ambition and as and this is a for it's insecure ambition and you know we're we're just seeing the results of
0: it so do you think it's better it, say you were born a hilton say you were like maybe nikki or something if you were born with that level of privilege is it better so obviously like best possible thing to do is to use your privilege to change the world. And now she's doing like her small part to use her voice to change one aspect of society, which is like the troubled teens industry is fucked and has ruined a lot of people's lives. Like beyond their teenage years, right. it's ruined people's right. lives. Um, But obviously there are people in her societal position who could have dedicated their entire careers to like changing huge aspects of society Mm -hmm. obviously I guess that's like best case scenario but do you think for someone in her position it's better to do what she's done and turned money into more money for herself or to take like the former position that you mentioned where you're like oh I have this much money I don't need to do anything I can just kind of be here and you don't necessarily exert any force positive or negative on the world
1: I would almost say the latter
0: Yeah.
1: I don't see it. She The fact that she has gone through this and is now speaking out about it is great. If she could have just been a well-adjusted person um, obviously would have been better for her Right. I mean, I guess I get your I get your point that, yeah, for her to be maladjusted and get sent to this school and then have this celebrity and speak out about it. Yeah, I mean, who, pro, who knows how this plays out? I'm sure the Provo Canyon School is not going to be around for much longer. And I'm sure all the related entities are not going to be around for much longer. There's probably going to be some sort of awakening around this entire system maybe Um, so yeah maybe I just changed my opinion maybe it's better that she is so poorly adjusted
0: don't you think it's kind of weird how like in our society we put so much pressure on children to perform and children to adhere to I mean a large part of it obviously comes from like you're still relying on your parents and you're still living with your parents so you have to do what somebody else like an authority figure wants you to do but like Think back to when you were a kid and you have the pressures of school and the uh, like pressures of behavior and like who you're hanging out with and like whatever you do for fun or what you do in your free time. Whereas like as an adult, you do your job and you do your job as best you can. But like you don't nearly have the same like performance pressure, at least like from what I've experienced as you did in school or when you're like earning your stars I guess for like right. school or family or whatever it is like we put so much pressure on kids
1: yeah and it's it's a bit of an epidemic and I guess it depends on your particular situation I mean it depends on who your parents are some parents are you know able to let their kids live normal lives some are you know produce the Paris Hiltons of the world yeah and it's that it's really tragic and I don't have a solution for it, does it, it just starts maybe with better parenting but I, don't, but I don't know how
0: I feel like part of it is the fact that we like pathologize these certain behaviors in children like oh if your kid smokes weed you need to send them to this wilderness camp or you need to intervene like obviously I understand the like developing brain argument but like if an adult smokes weed or like drinks or does certain drugs whatever it is like I don't feel like there's the same pressure on them it still feels like you can balance whatever you choose to do in that respect with your professional life or your personal life or whatever it is but like
1: the unfortunate thing is it's parenting is one of those things in life that no one teaches you right your parents teach you if you yes implicitly if if you want to understand anything about parenting you have to absorb it through a series of books and talking to all sorts of people who you think are good parents or whatever in the absence of that you just try to figure out shit the best that you can as it comes up
0: yeah
1: and so a lot of because of that a lot of parents make the wrong choices or don't make the right choices And so sometimes, even if you're a wealthy family, that just because you're wealthy, that doesn't mean that you know how to parent. Obviously, I think the parents in this situation made a mistake, Um, and there's there's a lot of randomness to it. And you know, for example, Nikki Hilton, the younger sister, seems like a relatively well-adjusted person. I would say, bitch, but.
0: Okay, wait. Can I can I dive into it? Sorry,
1: continue. Yes. No. I no. No. I mean, does she seem like she's not the warm? She, she does not come across as warm in this movie. But does that she mean? You said she's a bitch. But is, does that just mean that you didn't feel a level of charisma from her? No. Is no. No. Is it possible no, that no. she's like actually like? Is she bad to people? Is she good to people? I don't know.
0: She seemed. She seemed very tough love to Paris and I didn't I don't have enough information to know if it's tough love or if she actually like is rude or doesn't like they they don't have the same sisterly sibling relationship that I would want my children to have, right. you know.
1: It dev- there's definitely a level of dysfunction in this family.
0: I mean, it's interesting cuz Nikki now is well, okay, wait. Can I can I ask your mm-hmm. like aesthetic opinion? Paris is fucking Gorgeous. Paris is the closest thing to a Barbie doll I've ever seen in my life. Right. Okay, so you agree. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. (laughs) I've
0: never seen a celebrity who looks as much like a Barbie doll as she does ever in my life.
1: She's real life Barbie.
0: Yeah. And Nikki, obviously, is very attractive, too. But actually, they showed a bunch of pictures from their childhood. And, like, obviously, she was a kid. Like, I'm not saying this for any of them, but, like, Nikki was objectively like quite unattractive as a child i thought like actively unattractive
1: Mm, i didn't notice that
0: i mean not to say any child but do you know what i mean like
1: (laughs) wow we're gonna delete that
0: we're gonna we're gonna edit that out no but like i don't even mean it like that i'm just saying like i maybe projected the sense that that left a major mark on their relationship and paris became paris
1: Oh, yeah. She no. was the normal
0: kid, and then she became Paris, Paris. was
1: always the hot one, and Nikki was always the sister. Right. And, and but Nikki- you can't help but think, I mean, you saw even when the, the old family videos from, like, previous, like, Christmases or whatever, they made it a point to always talk about how attractive Paris was right. as a young girl.
0: Well, I guess we don't necessarily know if like we were seeing a select like number of clips because right. of the pair We don't know if it was like representative. Yeah.
1: But even still, and I don't know everything about this, but I like I I have a feeling, you know, it's like it's very distasteful. It's it's inadvisable to comment to young girls to say, "Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're so beautiful." Because that just that just reinforces this idea that, oh, your identity, your social value or whatever is based on the fact that you're pretty and will always be based on the fact that you're pretty. And the day you're not pretty, you won't have any social value. It's It's like it's I think it's like it's incredibly damaging to anyone, especially this girl in this video, Paris, who is like. 7 years old and they're talking about how attractive she is and calling her uh Grace Kelly or what you know comparing her to whoever else. They're basically conditioning her to have this Marilyn Monroe complex.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly what it is at the end of the film she's like I don't I don't remember the exact question they ask her but she's basically like I'm just I'll just be young forever. I'll just be like this forever. Like I think they ask, "What are you gonna do?" It's very yeah. By that quote
1: to me, it's very clear that she. It's it is so deeply ingrained that her identity is her beauty.
0: It's the her beauty
1: is her identity.
0: It's the Hollywood story. Like, don't you think that is, time and time again? Yeah, exactly. Those references she makes. Those references, Grace Kelly, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, like, those are the, like, tragic stories about exactly the, like, young starlet who puts way too much energy into her appearance. And she's 39. Like, she's Mm -hmm. almost 40.
1: Yeah. No, and she even comments that she has the mind of a 15-year-old. Yeah. Which is...
0: Disturbing. Some
1: sort of, you know, which is an admission of some sort of stunted uh, emotional development. Because right. she was
0: emotionally broken by these schools at age fifteen, yeah. so of course she's the mind of a fifteen year old. I would life. say
1: I would. I my guess is that the schools were a big part of it. I think the damage was was started long before it was underway.
0: Time. Yeah. Wait. So did were you, I don't know if you followed the free Britney thing at all. Are Are you at all familiar with like Britney Spears in twenty twenty? No. So, she basically is like trapped in her 16 year old mind and is not okay like maybe she's drugged she's she definitely like struggles with me- mental illness and she's like under custody of her father and if you right look, now yeah like actually if you look at her instagram there's a whole like free britney campaign because her father makes her like health care and legal decisions for her wait and financial like, decisions now how old is she <laughs> She's got to be 40 something and she's in a pretty like Wait, you know- how,
1: how Okay, explain this to me. How can a how can a, an adult, a legal adult be under the custody of their parent?
0: Okay, wait. Pull up her Wikipedia because yes. I'm not remembering the exact legal term, but there's some clause under which her father controls her. Life and her estate, and like her medical decision making. I don't know how because I know it's really difficult to control those things in someone who's over 18, but she is really not okay. And like people think he paid this guy to be her boyfriend and all this stuff, but I think a lot of stars from that era obviously Paris Hilton, Britney Spears to a greater extent. Oh, yeah,
1: it's not even that era, it's, it's, it's since the beginning of time since yeah. the beginning of celebrity yeah which is the at, which became at the beginning of um
0: media any re-
1: print media recording yeah. co- sort of recorded media
0: yeah even like the jessica simpson memoir that i of course famously read no i'm just kidding but like she struggled with alcohol for a long time and like these battles with their parents that are trying to kind of profit off them and like control their lives for longer than is natural, continue into their, like, well into their adulthood. So Brittany, how old is Britney Spears now? Britney is
1: now 38.
0: Okay, so she's basically Paris's age. Yeah. And if you look at her Instagram, she's unwell. She is, like, not okay. Like, I believe at, it. Paris is functional. Like, Paris is anxious and depressed, but she is mentally there. And mm. Britney is, it's scary. Like, you should go look at her Instagram and stuff after this. It's it's crazy.
1: Hmm. So okay. So what is the what is the big what is the big lesson? What is the big takeaway from all this? Is there a solution? Do we just go on living our lives?
0: I think the fact that she's speaking out and like at least well she's she's been very vulnerable. She's revealed like something about herself that we wouldn't expect her to reveal, and she's actually using her platform to shed light on this essentially like private prison industrial complex that exists in our country and it's it's not the private prison industry but it's essentially the private prison industry for children where kids are being physically emotionally sexually abused which Mm -hmm. is terrible obviously like i do think she's actually making a positive change in that way I think the, big, the like broad takeaway, at least for me, would be this, like, the emptiness of the pursuit of wealth and celebrity in this way. Like, She seems completely unfulfilled. She said, I thought I'd be happy when I made $100 million, and then I thought I'd be happy when I made a billion dollars, and she's still working towards that, and I have to think when she makes a billion dollars, she won't be happy.
1: So, Paris Hilton, we can't save her. Hopefully, she'll save herself but we definitely shouldn't emulate her right and if any good comes from this it's that this boarding school system is revealed to be the abusive monster that it is and is shut down
0: i hope so i mean what do you you, yeah all right Thank you so much for coming on today. This has been great. This has been amazing. Let's do it again. Let's do it again sometime. Let's talk
1: about Brittany next time.
0: Free (laughs) Brittany. Free Brittany, bitch.